0: to the Quilting Arts Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of contemporary art quilting. I'm Susan Brubaker-Knapp, and I'm here with my co-host, Vivica Denegri. Welcome! Hey,
1: it's great to see you again, Susan. I love seeing your face on the screen. It's always fun. You too. It's been a few weeks since we've spoken. Our last podcast was with um, Jane LaFazio, which was really fun, and we talked about sketchbooks and things like that and we're going to have a sort of similar or related i should say podcast theme this time where we're talking about repetition and working in a series and our artist in residence this time is going to be anna basalino she'll join us in a couple of
0: minutes Wonderful. I love Anna's yeah, work. Yeah, me too. And she's been on Quilting Arts TV a lot and I follow her um, on social media. She has been doing some really interesting stuff. Absolutely. And when when we think about,
1: you know, working in paper and pen and fabric and thread, um, thinking about what that means, it's really interesting to look at different artists and how they do it. So last time we had Jane LaFazio on, who has a, a wonderful practice of working in her sketchbook as well as making art quilts. And it's it's going to be really interesting to be able to compare and contrast a little bit how Anna Buzzolino also has a similar practice with very, very different results. So that's, that's I think, a really mm-hmm. cool thing. So have you ever worked in a series, Susan?
0: You know, I don't really think I have, but then If I look at my work, sometimes I see patterns. So I'm not doing it deliberately though. So I would probably say, no, I haven't really worked in a series. Because to me, it seems like you have to do it in a deliberate way. You have to know you're doing it. But um, I've been really fascinated lately since um, the pandemic I've been work I find that I'm working in a color scheme, lots of pink, blue, purple combinations. And uh, almost everything I've done, like in the last six months, has been in that color scheme, which is bizarre. And I also have been doing a lot of birds and I didn't realize that. You know, I didn't think about it because I was there are different ideas behind them. But um, you know, maybe that's all related. I wanna be optimistic and those those pinky purple blue colors to me are happy colors during a difficult time. And the birds are an image of freedom at the time of confinement. So it's fascinating to me. It's almost like analyzing your dreams when you start to look back at your work. (laughs) We're not going to analyze
1: dreams.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I do think that if you work in a series, you, you need to be deliberate about it and you need to make it part of your practice. See, I
1: don't agree with you at all. I don't think you need to be deliberate. And first of all, what's really sort of funny is we're looking at each other on Zoom as we're recording this. And I don't know if you realize it. I want you to look at your face. And I'm going to put a picture of the four of us. Actually, there are four of us on the call right now into our show notes so people can see what I'm seeing. You are wearing a pink blouse. Behind (laughs) you is a pink and purple quilt on which there are birds. That's my most recent work. So, um, you know, I think about your wardrobe that you wear on Quilting Arts TV. There's a lot of blue in there, and there's actually a lot of pink. But to me, you're a saturated color person. And so I definitely see that repetition in your work. But as far as being deliberate, I think sometimes as artists, we work in a series without knowing it. That we might be exploring portraiture, or we might be exploring a theme of... Um, sadness or a theme of rejoicing and redemption, like, like you were talking about, you know, the birds, et cetera. But, um, I've done a little bit in series. I did a, I think I've talked about it before. It was sort of like my, my, um, interpretation of the hundred day project, which was only 30 days. Cause that's, you know, about as long as I could do it. Uh, it was doing prayer flags, a different prayer flag every day for 30 days. And that series taught me so much about what I thought was important because I was only, I, I, you know, made my set of rules and, you know, I said, I'm going to work for an hour. I'm going to only use these um, these, this bin of fabric or whatever, but um, it made me think about a topic or a subject every day that was important to me. And I've of course done a series of birds too. I think you know about that one, which was all um, I call them backyard birds. Because they were all things that I had either seen at my feeder or at a local bird sanctuary and tried to, you know, really think intimately about the bird as I was creating the composition or the collage for it. But series are really very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think series two can maybe help you move yourself along. Like it's almost like a self-imposed deadline is to me as a being trained in journalism. It gives you something to aim for every day and it keeps you moving along. And that's really important to me right now because I'm still struggling with that coronavirus paralysis that hits me. Um, so maybe maybe it would be really great for me to set that kind of a deadline or that kind of a goal of working in a series, even if it's just in my sketchbook for a little while. Mm-hmm. Have you
1: ever written a series, like a series of articles before?
0: As a journalist, I'm thinking. Well, when I was a journalist, I worked mostly as a graphic designer. Um, I've written series of articles for like for quilting arts on thread sketching. So yeah, I think it does help you. I, I sure made a ton of work when I was doing those articles. So um, yeah, I think it forces you to move along to get your rear in gear.
1: If nothing else, that's that's a really wonderful thing if you're working in a series or if, you're, if you put that kind of a, a framework around what you're doing, because it does make you think, of all sorts of different topics to explore.
0: I personally need a big kick in the pants every now and then, you know, just to keep myself creatively moving along.
1: You know, a series will do it. That's definitely for sure.
0: Well, I'm trying to get myself motivated during this conversation to, um, to do that, to find that kind of discipline and do that. Now
1: would probably Thank- be a great time to bring in Anna. Anna's a really amazing artist. She's coming to us from Alberta, Canada. Why don't we just take a very quick break and then invite her to join our conversation.
0: Anna Bazzolino is an award-winning textile artist and quilt maker. She grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where sewing was a part of her life at an early age. She studied dressmaking and art while in school. And then in early 1983, Anna moved to Calgary Although she loves traditional quilting, she started using innovative machine techniques and surface design in 2002. Her work is nuanced, sophisticated, and ethereal, and it is always evolving. In addition to being a fiber
1: artist, Anna is an author and an educator. Her work has appeared numerous times in Quilting Arts Magazine and other publications as well. 2020 threw a real curveball in Anna's life. She suffered a tragic personal loss at the beginning of the year and then came COVID-19. And a few months later, she lost her day job as well. Through all that, she's been learning new skills to face the reality of living a life changed by loss and a new way of looking at grief as an experience to be tended rather than a problem to be solved. She turned to her art, her constant companion, to help start the healing process. In a world where instant success is the order of the day, Anna has gone back to working and a practice of mindfulness, using stitching and sketching as a way to process thoughts and slow the world down. She drew inspiration from her beloved rocks to work in a series of hand applique blocks that will be sewn together in some sort of fashion, which she's still trying to figure out. And when her mind wasn't focusing, she also turned to comforting elements that she'd used before, things that allowed her to focus on the ins and outs of the needle, healing herself one stitch at a time. Through this process, her sketchbook work grew from the 100-day challenge, and with that, she decided to give herself something to do every day. It's a small measure of control. And once again, she used a common element in her work, and this time circles, to draw inspiration. These 100 days are over, but her sketchbook work continues. Welcome, Anna.
2: Thank you very much for having me. This is so great to be able to see your faces, ladies. It's been a long time. It sure has been. And Susan and I really wanted to invite you to be
1: an artist in residence because we've been blown away by first of all, knowing about what you've gone through in the last few months, and second of all, by seeing the work that you're posting on social media because it's quite clear that all of these experiences have influenced what you're posting and what you're creating these days.
2: Yes, it's true. 2020 has been quite the year <laughs> so far, but uh, to say the least. But, you know, we never expect some things to happen to us. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, you are dealing with things that you've read about, you've heard about. And all of a sudden, it's part of your life. And... Um, You know, COVID-19 hasn't helped any of us. It has made us look at our lives and look at the way we live in a different manner. We are trying to find ways to cope with a quarantine and a stay-at-home directive and to stay safe. And all that added to my personal experience made me look at my work in a different manner. You mentioned this 100-day project, and that is my sketchbook work. And the reason I joined, because I really never joined challenges of any kind. They are not my kind of thing. This year, and throughout all these things that have happened, I needed something to focus on. And just sitting in my studio at my desk with a blank canvas When your brain isn't working necessarily the way you would want it to work, it's not a great feeling when you just sit there and you have no idea what to do. My daughter, Sabrina, was living with me at the time this happened. She moved in with me to keep me company, and we both decided that this 100-day project was a great thing to get into, something that we could do together. So off came the sketchbooks and, okay, what am I going to work in? What am I going to do on a sketchbook? And I don't necessarily carry sketchbooks as a practice. I'm not a person that sketches every day or anything like that. So it was something new to you? Totally new. Perfect excuse to start a new practice. I figured a couple of challenges, do something every day, do it on a sketchbook, and do it with materials that I don't necessarily work with which is where the black India ink came and brushes. And
0: you're using a small sketchbook too, right? Like eight, I thought I saw eight by eight inches, pretty small.
2: It's an eight by eight inch. I love the format. It's not a huge thing that you have to cover all day. Some of the more elaborate sketches that evolved from the very beginning, if you look at my sketchbook from day one to day 100, there's quite a bit of growth and, and evolution. And some of those sketches or drawings took over four hours.
1: I was gonna say, okay, so I'm a good copier. And I wasn't I <laughs> actually not really a copier. I, I am inspired, totally inspired by your work. And I know that so much of it came from grief. But I can also say that it's it's sort of like has borne beauty too. And I know that I know that that's a juxtaposition of imagery, but it's real. So I've been, I've been watching your posts and I think you posted every single one of these images on Instagram. So I've seen them from the beginning, but I can tell you that I was so inspired by seeing the repetition of the circle image over and over again. I thought, I'd like to try that. So I took out my sketchbook and I probably spent 45 minutes and I got like a tiny little corner done. And I thought, how does she do it? How do you do it? Because the time, because this is, this is not just, you're not just doing circles, you are doing patterns and beautiful inking over your drawings. I mean, just beautiful. So you are inspiring others to do something.
0: I think that that repetition can be so healing, though. It's what I love about like knitting. And so maybe... Doing all those little lines and that texture, the beautiful texture you're adding in those circles. Does that help? Is it helping your mental
2: health? I find it very cathartic. It's something that allows me to focus on that eight by eight piece of paper, either painted, you know, the page, or I start painting it all black or parts of it black with the ink. It dries very fast, which is an good thing so I'm not sitting there waiting for 45 minutes for the ink to dry even if I'm doing three or four layers I live in a very dry climate and it's summer so it's kind of warm and then I start from there I have a basic idea in my mind of where I want the circles the main circles to go and then I start drawing lines and it evolves is every single line, I don't use rulers, so everything is done freehand. So every single line is a mindful mark that I make. And one mark educates the other and informs the next one. And I change my mind while I'm doing because I thought, oh, this is going to be boring. So I change the angle of the marks, I change the, the design. sometimes some are thicker, some are thinner some are closer to the others, and I keep constantly looking back at what I'm drawing and trying to decide where I'm going. Um, I've posted some designs, and then after they are posted, I looked at them and thought, oh, I don't like that. So I go back and paint it black or erase it by painting over it. When it's black, it's much easier. When When it's white, it's like, okay, you are, you're stuck, you have to live with it. So if you paint it black, are you going over in white? I am using Posca uh, markers mm-hmm. for the white mm-hmm. on black. So if I'm using a white page, I usually, the first thing I do is I decide if I'm going to block some pieces of it in black, which is, I usually paint some of the circles black. And then over that come the Posca markers.
0: And Posca markers are acrylic ink, right? They are acrylic paint. Acrylic paint. So that white can sit on top of the black or black on top of the white paper.
2: Yeah. And because they are all acrylic based products, they play nicely together.
0: As you've worked, are you feeling like you're happier with what you're doing, that you're going in different directions? What has working in a series like this, done for you artistically?
2: You know, working in a series is, I was listening to you talk about it. And to me, it's not deliberate. It just happens because when you're working on one, I never really set out to work on a series. It just happened because you're working on one and all of a sudden I think, oh, I could have done that. Or what happens if I do this? Or wouldn't it be great to make another one, but that looks like that so my work in a series and and this sketchbook is a little bit different because it's all based on circles and circular objects and string it made me realize that to me it works it it gives me a jumping off point to do something else I have printed some of the designs on fabric I received the first three as I did a test with Spoonflower. I'm quite happy with them. There are some things that I need to adjust, probably photography-wise. My friends have been bugging me to send my designs to somebody. You need to. (laughs) To see if I can get a fabric line.
0: Yeah, because I want yardage. I look at those and I'm like drooling over them.
2: Yes. I know. I figure that um, if I could have somebody call me and say, oh, my God, we love it. We would love to have this printed on fabric. I would be the happiest person. Because, again, because my brain is not working at 100%, yeah. everything mm. is an effort, you know. Um, and you cannot probably understand because you were talking about trying to get motivated during this COVID that has changed so much in our lives is something so unprecedented that we don't have A basis to grab onto to say, okay, if I do this, this happens. If I do that, that happens.
1: All right, let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: One of the things though about when you put it all, you record it all in a sketchbook is you have it there. And I find I come back years later to my sketchbook sometimes and pull something out and work in it. So in a way, what you're doing is you're just filling up the vault, right? With all your ideas and they're in the bank. And then, you know, maybe that fabric line will come down the road and you'll have all of that work behind you and all of the thought process and so many things that you can fall back on. You can go back in that vault and pull it out. But, you know, the other thing too, though,
1: Susan, is that, um, you know, a lot of this too is so personal, even though, you know, me as an outsider, I'm looking at it like just this beautiful designs and circles and amazing texture and everything. But to you, Anna, you know, this is also the loss of someone you loved very deeply that is coming out on paper and And uh, probably through your quilts as well. And so I'm sure that that has a lot to do with it. You know, do you want to share everything? Do you not want to share everything? Do you want to have it printed on fabrics? Sure. Some of it, yes, I imagine. But maybe some of it is something that you would want to keep for you, too.
2: That is true. Not everything we do is shareable, you know. But because I have put them out in social media, the things I don't want to share they don't go on social media. You know, the stuff that is out on social media is stuff that I want to share because maybe it will help somebody else deal with some of the, you know, things that they have in their lives. God forbid that this happens to anybody else, but maybe when loss happens or grief happens, they will go back and think, oh, I remember what she did. And maybe I can do something similar that will help me get all my grief out in that way. You know, in the same way, people ask me, do you mind selling your stuff? And you probably know, just as I do, that some pieces will never be sold. They are yours to keep. They are very personal. They have a lot of personal meaning to us that maybe some other person doesn't need to know exactly what that piece means. But when I put the stuff on social media, that stuff is out there already. It doesn't necessarily belong to me anymore. It belongs to everybody else. So I don't mind letting go of these things because they are out there already.
0: I wanted to ask you, Anna, about Circles. Circles. What do circles mean to you? What do they symbolize? Why did you choose them as the main imagery in this body of work that you've been creating?
2: I have always been fascinated with circles. Their, their meaning or infinity and the circle of life and beginning and end, all the mystical and religious meanings that circles have. I'm in love with polka dots. If there's a polka dot out there, I have it you know, in shoes, in shirts, in pillows, in bed sheets. I love polka dots. And quite a few years back, circles started to make an appearance in my work. I can't name exactly when because when I was doing the traditional, I was so in love with the New York Beauties blog because of the circle motion that you can have by moving the circle. They, They have blocks or quarter blocks around, I should say. And then when I started art quilting, circles became a part of what I do. If I'm hand stitching, there is a good chance that circles are going to be part of what I'm hand stitching, if appropriate to the piece. So when I started the sketchbook, that was not my idea or my intention to work with circles. I started doing mark making. It was going to be a mark making sketchbook. And about three or four days into this, my circles appeared. And the more I made, the more they evolved and the more involved they got. You know, that's the four or five hours that some days I spend on these. And I usually do them at night. So it's been late nights. You know, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I need to go to sleep.
0: Why are you working at on them at night? Is it just when it fits into your schedule? Or do you think that that's a
2: time that you're more creative? Why, why work at night? When my schedule is very flexible, I am basically home. And I don't really go out unless I absolutely have to. The economy here in Alberta has somewhat opened. So it's OK to be out. But our COVID cases have gone up back to where we are at a peak high, um, higher than we were at the beginning. And that is scary for, for me. We are not young anymore. We are more at risk of things going sideways if you get the virus. So I choose to stay home. It fits my introverted personality, and it fits where I am right now in my life. I sometimes don't feel like talking to people or seeing anybody, and this is a really good excuse to stay home. During the day, I don't know why, it feels more natural to work on piecing or dyeing fabric or working with screen printing or doing anything else works during the day. Around 7 o'clock at night, my day shifts I usually leave my studio, go downstairs, have something to eat, maybe sit and do some stitching in front of the TV for a couple of hours. Around 9.30 or 10-ish, I think, Okay, time for me to go work on my sketchbook. It's dark outside. I can't see anybody. Most of my neighbors are quite far and I don't see any lights on their windows. So it's like I'm in my little bubble. And my bubble at that time of night is like, I'm going to sit with my sketchbook and my paint and my paint brushes and build something. Do you think that you will continue
0: to do this um, now that you've gotten into the practice? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to shift to a different theme or are you going to stop and... Take some of what you've worked on in your
2: sketchbook and work in a different medium, in fiber. I have an idea of some of the sketches that I've done or the drawings that I've done to turn them into art pieces. And then I'll, sometimes I think, oh, my God, all those little tiny lines. Like, how <laughs> am I going to piece that? <laughs> so it's like, oh, quilt maybe it, Maybe not. Down.
1: I mean, I'm looking at these yeah, things. Yeah, do it with stitch. I see hand
2: stitches. I see machine
1: stitches. Mm-hmm.
2: Hand stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Embroidery. Yeah. Lots of lots of possibilities there. Uh, some, you know, you, I could. I figure I could applique some pieces. I could hand stitch others. So there's lots of possibilities. But the sketch would work. I think will continue. I laugh at myself because. These sketchbooks that I love so much are not made anymore. So I found somebody who had quite a few. So I bought 25. (laughs) It's like bras. (laughs) You buy one and then
0: they stop making, it's perfect. And they stop making them and you have to adjust.
2: (laughs) but you've got a stockpile. I figure I'm going to stockpile on these so I don't have to go and find something else that works because this is fantastic paper. Uh, It's 140 pound watercolor paper in these sketchbooks that I managed to get my hands on. So as you can see, I have sketchbooks for a while, you know, a couple of years if I do one every day. I fell in love with it. It feels good to do it. Um, I didn't make one last night. I wasn't in the mood. So if I'm not in the mood, I don't force myself because my 100-day project is over. And then I've had lots of comments from people following me on social media, which love the work. And it's like, oh my God, don't stop. Keep going, keep going. And that's very satisfying as an artist where somebody else enjoys your work and wants more of it. So I'm trying to do that for me, but also for the people who love what I do and hopefully influence or inspire somebody else to start on a new you know, vein in their work.
1: Let me just, uh, just ask this. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. But so if someone is going to be starting a practice of um, working in a a series. I'm wondering what kind of um, advice you would give to a fiber artist with that hope in mind. What would
2: you suggest that he or she would do? The one thing that I would tell them is that let it happen. Don't force it. And it happens to me that when I am working on one piece, I am already thinking about what I could do different or where I could go with the next one. And they may not look alike. They may not look, um, you know, it's not that one is blue and the other one would be black and the other one would be red in the same kind of style, but you can try different things because it's a very dear instructor said, it's just a piece of cloth. And if it doesn't work out, it goes in the fire. You know, she used to say, You cannot salvage everything. You cannot reuse everything. Some things are meant for the fire pit. So, um, and I know that for a lot of people, our fabric and our cloth is precious, but so is our time. So don't, my advice to most, and my students too, is don't spend time working on what you don't like or what you don't think is going to work. It's time to let it go and start something else. So if a piece that you're working on is not working, just leave it pinned on the design wall for a few days, for a few weeks. And if it doesn't speak to you, just move on. And that's good advice. Good advice about your life
0: right Mm -hmm. now, too. You know,
2: moving on. Yeah. Yeah, moving on
0: one foot in front of the other and onto something, onto something new.
2: And that's the one thing is life is too short to work on things that you don't like, or that doesn't give you pleasure. So find the things that give you pleasure and spend your time there.
0: That's great. Well, I've loved talking to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Anna. It's been a real pleasure. And it's been so nice to see your beautiful smile on the other (laughs) side of my computer screen. It's been lovely.
2: Thank you ladies for for everything. It, this was such an honor to be asked. I was so thrilled when I got your email. I was doing a little dance in my studio. I said, "Oh my god, I'm going to be on a podcast. I'm going to be on a podcast." <laughs> oh. And I was so happy. So, I really, really appreciate your your support through all this and your support through all the years. And I hope that all this situation goes away fast oh, and, and we can both. see each other in person uh, yeah. soon.
1: And get a hug. I'm so tired yes. of not getting and giving hugs. <laughs> it's, it's I
2: tough. know. It's I tough. know. Yeah. We're sending you lots the, and
0: lots of love, Anna.
2: Thank you. In the meantime, it's been great seeing you on the other side of the screen. Love you both.
0: wow that was very moving to see how she's working through that grief and all these difficulties and making such beautiful work
1: you know there's a there's this thing my dad was a farmer when i was growing up and he one of his crops was blueberries in maine and Mm. i don't know if you know this but blueberries don't grow unless there's a fire and you have to Take down this an entire field of wild blueberries with a wildfire in order to get a crop, and I, I wonder if if this is part of uh, Anna's crop that she is, you know, just creating such a beautiful and amazing and moving work, you know. And it does sometimes come out of grief and and hard experiences, but I'm I'm certainly glad that she has found a way to focus her energy on things that are positive and beautiful at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, it helps you through. Yes. It really does. Yes. Well, we always end with a quote. Um, I have one here by um, a writer and um, he's a, a fiction writer named Philip Meyer. And he said, nothing prepares you for making art except making art. You have to do it to get better.
1: Ain't it the truth?
0: yes you just have to do it just do it which
1: makes me think that once we're done recording susan i'm going to turn off my computer and then maybe go make a little bit of art before i get back to work take care susan you too thanks for listening remember there's lots more information about the things we discussed in this episode including photos of anna's work and links to the tv shows and magazines where her work is featured that's on our show notes page Just follow the link in the description on our website, QuiltingDaily.com.
0: If you want to hear episodes as soon as they come out, please subscribe. Just search for Quilting Arts Podcast in whatever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you do, please leave a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you. The Quilting Arts Podcast is a
1: production of Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Vivica Hanson-Denegri, and my pal, Susan Brubaker-Knapp. This episode was recorded and edited by Chad Franzen. Sarah Erickson is our web producer and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.